Good day, and welcome to Trend Talks by ITR Economics. My name's Alan Bolio. I'm the president of ITR, and I'm happy to be with you today. Today, we're going to talk about Japan. It's an amazing economy and amazing people, and amazingly, it's a great danger to the United States. So we want to talk about that. First, they are an amazing people. An amazing nation. 126.2 million people living uh, on the uh, islands of Japan that makes them the 10th largest population in the world. The fact that they've gone from World War II to becoming at one time until fairly recently the second largest economy in the world behind the United States. Now they've dropped to the third largest economy position is a tribute to them. It's a tribute to education, to hard work, to innovation, to industriousness, to a willingness to change, to innovate, and to, dare I say it, capitalism. They have embraced capitalism and with negligible resources other than the things I've already mentioned, they have transformed themselves into a uh, economic juggernaut and powerhouse. Unfortunately, the comment is the screams across the skies beginning to flame out, and we want to talk about that. We're going to begin by talking more about the people of Japan. And as I've said, all those positive things, there's something they're missing. And that is population growth. 98.1% of the population of Japan are Japanese. That's actually very high. Uh, the deaths are 9.9 per thousand compared to seven and a half births. So what I just told you is that the population is shrinking. And the net migration in Japan is zero. So the amount of people coming in and going, uh, which is very, very low um, in terms of actual numbers, since native population is 98.1%, is not enough to replace. So the, the population shrinks every year. The fertility rate in Japan, which is the number of uh, children that women of childbearing age have in their lifetime, in the childbearing span of years, is a very low 1.42 uh, in the ranking in the world, that makes them number 209 in the world. Uh, when you get down to about 1.4, you don't come back. I mean, it's just one of those factors where you, you can't reproduce fast enough to reverse a longer-term trend. I want to put that in context for you. Uh, the, the Russia, Canada, and China are all running around 1.6. Germany's running around 1.46. So Germany and Japan have a lot in common there. The U.S. is at 1.87, so we're, we're much better off. Although none of those are at the magic number of 2.1, which is necessary to maintain population. So all those countries I just mentioned need immigration in order to have an expanding population, which means an expanding consumption base, an expanding labor pool, and most importantly for today's discussion, expanding amount of taxpayers. Now, let's go back to Japan. I want you to think of an inverted pyramid where the point's at the bottom. So the amount of old people on top works its way down to not enough young people at the bottom. Now, it's not as simple as that, and the lines are not linear like what I've just mentally described to you, but it works for our discussion here. Household consumption in their economy accounts for 55.5% of GDP. So when you have an aging population without that younger base who are going to do the consuming and the home buying and, and everything else that goes with it, you find yourself in a situation where the economy becomes very top-heavy financially and that it takes a lot of money to support those older people. They're not consuming goods the way that they were before, and you have a growing economic instability. Add into that that taxpayer equation that I talked about when the government of China needs to pension off all those uh, older people. And they have a high population of people over the age of 65 now. It's 28% of the population, which is large. So as they need to pension them off, you have to ask yourself, where is the money going to come from? 
Well, the logical conclusion is you raise taxes, but you can't raise taxes on people who aren't there. You can raise taxes on businesses, but with less consumption going on, businesses are not in the place to do that. They will, of course, still be an export base, but the outlook is more likely that you'll find businesses leaving the island to where there's more labor, because even with great automation and robotics, you still need labor. So more, more than, than taxes, you might see Japan going back to their old standby, which is borrowing. The trouble is uh, they're a huge borrowing nation. They're the, the, the highest in the world as a percent of GDP, 237.65% in 2017, according to the IMF. Uh, debt to GDP, that's, that's astounding. In the United States, in word number two, by the way, it's 105.2%. So we have a, a, a great difference between the two nations. We have more children. Uh, we have more millennials. We have more taxpayers. They have this dearth of taxpayers and they have a plethora of debt. That's going to lead to a lot of problems in the future for them. They are going to have to do something that will in turn impact the United States in a negative way. They will have to start selling treasuries. Now, Japan holds a trillion dollars in U.S. treasuries. They're the second largest foreign holder of U.S. treasuries, and they're actually the uh, fifth largest holder overall uh, from all sources. So as they need to convert treasuries, think dollars, into yen, that has an impact on the United States. That means that they can have a trillion dollars in cash coming their way to take care of this older population, which they hope would be enough to last them until the older population passes away. Whether it does or not is immaterial. What it does in the meantime, though, is push down the value of the dollar and cause interest rates to rise. Because if they're selling treasuries that, say, are bought at 3.5%, why, and they're out on the open market with 3.5% treasuries, why would somebody buy a treasury that's now paying 1.9% or 2.2%? Pick a number. They would, they'll buy off the open market. And so as they're buying treasuries and, and as they are causing interest rates to be bid up, the U.S. Treasury will have to raise interest rates. And as interest rates go up on treasuries, that means it takes more of our federal budget to take care of the debt payments. And as the dollar is pushed down because of this transaction, then you're going to find that it increases the rate of inflation because we are a consuming nation. So with a cheaper dollar, we're consuming things from overseas. It takes more dollars. That's the inflationary aspect. And as inflation comes into the economy through numerous sources, including this one, the Federal Reserve Board has to raise interest rates. So the government is faced with higher interest rates. Consumers and businesses are faced with higher interest rates. And we find ourselves in an old-fashioned late 1970s, early 1980s model of higher inflation, higher interest rates, and eventually some real pain brought to the consumer. All courtesy of the fact, uh, perhaps the, the linchpin to our 2030s Great Depression discussion, perhaps that Japan is a highly indebted nation and a nation that simply did not have children. Thank you. I hope you have a great day.